Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Last night in Game 3 of the World Series, you saw, if you watched, as Bruce and I did, Austin Barnes become the second guy ever with a sacrifice bunt and a home run in the same World Series game, Bruce. The other is a guy whose name I should know but do not, Hector Lopez, 1961. The Yankees left fielder, while Mantle and Maris were playing center and right, it was Hector Lopez in left a lot of the time, apparently. Hector Lopez was a White Sox killer along with Elston Howard. While they were controlling Mantle and Maris and Scourin back in the day, uh, it was Hector Lopez and John Blanchard and mm-hmm. Elston Howard that used to kill the White Sox. He was a, a second baseman, third baseman, a great pinch hitter, Played for Kansas City. Kansas City A's were the farm team, basically, of the Yankees because their owner was indebted to the Yankees owner at that particular point, who was, um, uh, they were uh, Dan Topping and um, hmm. uh, another uh, gentleman who uh, built uh, many, many millions of uh, homes. Uh, his name was Del Webb. Um, they uh, used to get players like like uh, Lopez, easily from Kansas City when the Yankees were having a problem or they needed solidification of their team, hmm. they would get players from Kansas City. And Lopez was one of those great opposite field hitters who uh, just killed the White Sox. How about that? Mention a name, get full context from Bruce Levine. That That's awesome. It does. That's great stuff. It does also stand to uh, remind us that this um, the, this economic system of the haves and the have-nots goes as far back as the game itself. The Yankees using the, the Kansas City A's as a farm team, and every once in a while a team like the Dodgers will step in and offer economic flexibility to even a behemoth like the Red Sox and end up with Mookie Betts for the next 12 seasons. Right? Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring that up, Matt, because, uh, you know, when you talk about Andrew Friedman, who's the president, and top baseball executive with the Dodgers, you know, you talk about, you know, how, how much money they have as a franchise and that great television deal that gives them billions and billions of dollars over a 25-year period. But he had hesitated after taking the job over, what was it, six years ago or so now? I think yes. it was in 2015 when Joe left. It was the exact same year. Um, he... Um, did not give out a lot of long-term contracts. 
did not give out a, long, a lot of extensions and held, held on to shorter-term contracts, shorter-term free agents, finding players from other organizations, uh, even when it came to Kershaw, only extending him a couple of years in a deal. So they had that money available. They had that flexibility available because of the fact that uh, Betts was out there, the, arguably the first or second best player in baseball, along with uh, Mike Trout. So from that perspective, uh, you know, I, I give Friedman a lot of credit for the restraint that he's shown over the years here now mm-hmm. uh, before assigning Betts to this huge deal. I couldn't agree more. And the reason that they do this finally is that they still haven't won the World Series. And he's been waiting for a star. He's wanted to pay a real star. They wanted to pay Bryce Harper. They wanted to pay Garrett Cole. But now he finally got one in Mookie Betts, and he's willing to pay him. I always think of this, Bruce, and we'll get to the uh, the LaRussa uh, situation in a second, but I, I just wanted to bring this up. What, what Andrew Friedman has done with infinite money, right, it, it, with the mm-hmm. Dodgers is not what you'd expect. Uh, one, of the th- one of the things that they did in March of 2015 when they signed this guy, Hector Oliveira from Cuba, for $62 million, 28 of which was a signing bonus. He never played for the Dodgers, never played a single game because he got injured and then there was some off-the-field stuff, and they traded him to the Braves for a variety of players, including Alex Wood, who is still here and getting used in the World Series in 2020. And it's the Dodgers' ability to spend $28 million on a signing bonus, never use a guy, and end up trading him to the Braves for like six different pieces, one of whom they still have, and they're getting cheap utility yeah. out of all these years later. It's those, that kind of flexibility which uh, Friedman has utilized more often than not. Yeah, that's a great point, and it's really interesting to hear, you know, how they're still getting value out of wood, uh, knowing that they made a big mistake and they made the best of a bad situation by yep. uh, moving him along and still, still getting uh, production from one of the players. All right, so you reported this week that Tony La Russa uh, had his interview with the White Sox. It, it update people as best you can. Well, I made uh, it all you know. up, according to most people. Really? Most, most people believe I... Well, some people do. I didn't hear but, that. Uh, Why? Who would think that? Well, you don't hear him. Oh, I, I don't, I don't go there. I just went partially there. Hmm. Here, here's, here's where, here's where we're going with Tony Larusa. So, you know, last week we reported uh, that Tony Larusa was, you know, Bob Nightingale, the initial report that um, there's interest uh, from uh, the White Sox in Tony Larusa. Tony Larusa last week was interviewed. By both uh, Rick Hahn and uh, by Kenny Williams in separate calls, hmm. uh, numerous calls is possible as well. And uh, some of the subject matter came up, uh, you know, wanting to know uh, how long Tony Larusa would like to manage if he did manage. Um, you know, what uh, what were some of his goals? Um, does he feel uh, that he can, uh, you know? or want to do this for a long period of time. Uh, So those are some of the pertinent questions that came up in these interviews. Other people have been interviewed for the job. We haven't been able to identify any of those names yet. You can, uh, you can be sure that some of them were minority interviews uh, because that's part of major league baseball protocol that you must interview uh, minorities as far, as far as the, um, the process goes for any team hiring a manager, uh, and I'm sure the White Sox have. 
those names will eventually come out. But uh, according to my sources, as and this was as uh, as the middle of last week, Tony Larusa is still in high consideration to be the next Chicago White Sox manager. Uh, as to whether he wants to do it or feels he can do it for 200 games a year for X amount of years going forward, I think that that might be the primary question here as to whether or not uh, Tony La Russa becomes the manager of the White Sox. Certainly the White Sox will want to talk to uh, A.J. Hinch, possibly Alex Cora, though I haven't heard his name, um, and people I've talked to. The, the rumor is that he may be returning to the Boston Red Sox as their manager after one year off from wow. being suspended. Hmm. So um, there, there's that possibility that Hinch, who is, uh, you know, the Detroit Tigers are very interested in uh, A.J. Hinch, be able to talk to him. But both guys being suspended right now, nobody can talk to Hinch or Cora until the day after the World Series ends. That's part of their suspension, that the season is over. Uh, completely, and they will be able to move on and talk to these two gentlemen. Bruce, I had um, I had heard about a couple of names of possible White Sox candidates who interviewed this week. Uh, I'm not asking you to confirm or deny, but these some of these names have been in the pipeline. The former Cub, um, Sam Fold, been part of the Rays system um, in a front office sense and, and some other places. I'd heard Sam Fold's name. I'd heard Bob Guerin's name, the former manager mm-hmm. of Oakland, uh, among others. Do those names ha- have any credence for you? Don't know. Um, you know, I, I haven't heard that. I mean, I did hear Guerin's name from somebody else as well. But And he has a fine reputation, uh, managed the, uh, and coached with the Oakland A's for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Um, well thought of. Sam Fold is uh, a very bright uh, guy who has uh, done extremely well in his uh, baseball uh, education after playing baseball and being a front office person. So um, they're good names, you know, uh, as to whether or not you're going to pull somebody out uh, right now who um, has not won a world championship has not uh, taken a team to the World Series after Rick made that a part of the priorities of what he and the organization were looking for in his conversation with the media a week ago Monday. Uh, I think he's going to have to get whoever the candidate is or they're going to choose is going to have to be closer to that experienced manager that has managed uh, championship caliber teams, at least, if not winning a World Series. The sense I get from fans, Bruce, is that they want to know whether this is Rick Hahn's move to make uh, as the sole source of decision making. Um, And maybe that's not a fair standpoint, because has it been Rick Hahn's uh, sole decision making every step of the last five years? No, probably not. It's been collaborative with his boss, Kenny Williams, with the owner. Jerry Reinsdorf on some level, but but what sense do you get about how much control Rick has over the hire? Yeah, I don't understand the people's need to think that Rick uh, makes all the decisions for the Chicago White Sox because Rick himself will tell you that uh, he is, and we know he is the the voice and the face of the Chicago White Sox, but he doesn't make all the decisions by himself. It's not Rick Hahn's Chicago White Sox. It's the Chicago White Sox with the chairman of the board, Jerry Reinsdorf, running the baseball department, Rick um, Kenny Williams, the executive vice president, 
and then Rick. So um, I don't know the angst that people have. Is that do you think do you think the reason they they want Rick to be the final say so as to who the manager is is because he is the face and the voice right now, or or do you think it's that they don't trust? Uh, Jerry or Kenny Williams. I think it's because before five years ago, there was a lot of things to not like about the organization and the way that it was being run and the way that there were uh, some things that, that they were far behind in and they've caught up in a ton of ways. It's been really impressive and really mm-hmm. enjoyable. And the sense is that that's Rick's vision for the most part that has been the guiding force of that. And the sense of this is that this is from ownership um, because the relationship is there for, for Jerry and Tony and that it's not the, the sense is that this is not what Rick would do if he were given full power. That is the sense mm-hmm. among the fans. I, I think I think that's a fair analysis of what uh, people would look at. I, I think that um, Rick will have as much say so as anyone else. I think Kenny will, and I think Jerry will. Uh, bottom line is, it's Jerry Reinsdorf's team. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so he's 85 years old. He will he will have the final sign off on whether or not uh, he feels the candidate is worthy that Rick and uh, that Kenny pick out. I think that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. So if he if he likes if he likes the intel he gets from Rick and the intel he gets from Kenny Williams uh, as to who the next manager should be, I think he'll say go ahead and proceed. If he doesn't, uh, then he will have the final vote, which will be a no, and to move on and find somebody else. So is he involved in this? Yes, he is. Is Tony Larusa one of his best friends? Yes, he is. Will he say to Rick and to Kenny, you must hire Tony LaRussa? I don't know if that's true or not. I doubt that. I think, I think things are done more practically uh, within the organization, and they will agree upon who the best candidate is to lead the Chicago White Sox forward to win a world championship. Okay. Um, uh, understood from your perspective. Absolutely. Let, let me ask you this about Trevor Bauer. I, I, it's a working theory. I'm, sl- I'm in development uh, of it here. But I, th- I feel like the White Sox have a unique opportunity to sign the premier free agent starting pitcher for a variety of reasons. Um, number one, they need one real bad. Number two, they have some financial flexibility on the payroll, uh, along with some of the people that are coming off, Edwin Encarnacion's deal, probably Alex Colomay, probably James McCann, stuff like that. But also, Bauer and others have been open about wanting or perhaps having to settle for one-year deals um, or short deals, which I think makes it more appetizing and more e- easy, easier to swallow for the White Sox and Jerry Reinsdorf financially because the long-term commitment to pitchers is a very scary one that they've been hesitant to make. But also, Bruce, and I guess this is the big thing I'm wondering, this strange moment in MLB's financial timeline might actually benefit the White Sox because they're not one of those teams that has been historically dependent on day-of-game revenue. We know the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Cardinals, more have counted on, banked on 30 to 40,000 people every game, spending lots of money on high-priced tickets and beer. And that's just, it's just factually not something that the White Sox have factored into their finances as much as some of the other teams. So while a lot of the bigger market teams or the the day-of-game revenue-dependent teams are freaked out and not knowing what they can do financially, the White Sox have a, might have a little more clarity 
than some of those others. What do you think about this uh, this theory? That's an interesting premise. I, I think that the White Sox have kept their payroll consistent with their competition level. Okay, for a so the White Sox are in a big city. They're they're in they're in a big market city, but they're a mid market team because of uh, the reasons that you talked about, uh, and that is uh, the fans uh, drawing in, and and they've been averaging between one uh, six and uh, two hands over the last you know number of years. So from from that projection, you know, you're to something as far as the flexibility of them having the money to go out and spend. $30 million on Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. Uh, would they do that for five years or six years? Or does Trevor Bauer even want that? Because we hear from his camp that he's said that he's more interested maybe in a one-year deal. I don't know that. But I think that the type of pitcher he is and what he can bring to the Sox is absolutely a guy that can help them get to the World Series. I, I don't think there's any question. You add him to mix with with Keuchel and with you have three potential aces out there in a series in a three game series. You have three guys that can dominate. Uh, then, you, as you're bringing along your other starting pitchers, whether it's Cease, you know whether or not it's it's going to be Dunning, whether or not Lopez is going to regain some of the credibility. He had as a start. Uh, it's not as a worry to have three guys like that going for you at the top. So I think, I, or, or in this case, Bauer for sure would be the right move for the Chicago White Sox. I'm with you 100%. And, you know, on last week's show, I said, or I, or actually, I said on Mully and, and Haw early in the week that the gaining of the right manager is very important for the White Sox. The most essential move in the offseason is signing Trevor Bauer uh, to a contract if you want to move uh, the needle toward winning a world championship. I think that's more essential than any manager you would bring in. It is 670 The Score. He's Bruce Levine on Inside the Clubhouse. I'm Matt Spiegel. Joe Buck slated to join us next in the middle of the World Series. So we'll talk to him and continue talking to you at 312-644-6767. That's the phone number, and it's also the number you can text to reach us here on Inside the Clubhouse. This segment is brought to you by Amazon. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse here on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel, my partner, Bruce Levine. It's Bruce's show. I'm his partner, truth be told. And we welcome in our guest right now on the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. Kind enough to give us a few minutes in the midst of eight games in eight days. It is the tireless, seemingly, Joe Buck joining us right now. Good morning, Joe. Hello. <laughs> What's up, guys? How we doing? <laughs> we, we, we are That's good. Great. We are good. You know, do it as long as you can, right, man? You, uh, it, it's, it's awesome. And I told you this off the air. You sound as comfortable as I've ever heard you doing anything. And it's really from sport to sport, from night to night. I hope that, hope that is real. And I hope that not is drug-related or anything like that. You sound very comfy. Yeah, yes, I'm- I'm a drug-addled play-by-play guy, just uh, wandering the streets. And uh, if I happen to come across a, a stadium where a game is happening, I just wander in and do it and wander out. I, I feel, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's a crowd thing. Maybe maybe that is, that it, it feels more intimate because it's not, you know, a sold-out, crazed atmosphere. Uh, it sounds like it in my headset when I put it on because they – they pipe in crowd noise, but I, I feel maybe that's that's part of the equation uh, because it does feel different, but uh, it's been fun. I, I've loved having kind of a game a day, and, uh, you know, once you get into these postseason series, you set it up, and then you let it unfold, and if you're willing to just let it unfold instead of trying to grab it by the throat all the time and just hammer people with stats and all that, I think you can have fun with it, and and that's that's kind of the attitude I've taken this year. Joe, uh, when you uh, when you prepare for a game on a, an individual day, take us through preparation for Game Four of the 2020 World Series. What is what is your day like, other than? being uh, woken up by people you don't want to talk to on the radio. No, what, I would talk that, to you too is... any day. Uh, and you both know that. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, you know, the, the funny thing is, is, is I have the, the kind of the skeleton of what I need. So I have a scorebook that it's different than football. Football is you work all week uh, or in the case of a Thursday game, you, you still work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. By the time you get to the stadium, what I have in front of me for football is done. Like you, I, I don't. I, we get there really early, and there's a lot of standing around. When I get there for a baseball game, like we get there really early, so we'll, we'll get there today at let's say three thirty, and the game is is uh, is it's whatever it is seven o'clock, uh, and 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 it feels even longer because there's no access to managers. We do a Zoom call with them. We're not going down on the field. We're not standing around the batting cage. We're not doing any of that. So because of social distancing and 
trying to stay, uh, you know, outside their bubble. We, we just, we're just, we're in the booth for, for basically three hours of, of doing nothing. But that time is used for me putting the lineups in for that day. All of the, all of the numbers, regular season, what they've done in the world series, what they've done in the postseason in, in general, and then I, I, I kind of just build it toward the first pitch. But, but the skeleton part that I was talking about, I worked on that uh, coming back from Philadelphia the other night for the next three games. So I've got the, the obvious parts of my scorebook done, and then I fill in as I go. But I'll get up, you know, once I get off the phone, I'll start working on mainly the pitching matchup for tonight, get all the stats in, get all the – trends or whatever in and 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 go with that but it's it's mainly pitching until i get to the park and then it's lineup and then it's staff i i mean i don't know if that's boring or not but that's that's the only way i can do it last night when austin barnes had the beautiful sacrifice the the squeeze bunt I immediately was wondering, God, how many have there been in the postseason? Because I remember a couple of weeks ago, the number was zero. It was zero. And you had it right away within one sentence. You said, that's only the third of the entire postseason. I'm like, damn, there it is right there. Is that is that you? Is that Steve Horn, your guy? Is he still with you? I, I don't know um, where, where oh, that he's was. he's with me. If, oh, if he's, he leaves, he's the best. I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> he's the best, right? right? <laughs> So yeah, I, he is, but it's funny because we had just looked at that stat. It's just one of those good timing things because we had just looked at that stat before the game started. We were running through all the graphics that we had and that was a graphic and it did read two. And so I'm, I'm no genius, but I know that, uh, <laughs> that two plus one equals three. And, and so I, I was able to spit it out pretty fast, but, but the reason why it was an interesting stat is because, you know, you're talking about whatever the other years have been here recently, but it's 20 or 30 per postseason, or, you know, it used to be way more. Uh, but that was obviously because pitchers were hitting. Now with the universal DH, there's there's less of that, so much so that there's been basically none. And for Barnes to execute a safety squeeze at the end of October, uh, you know, I, I thought it's, it's a pretty significant play because – these guys didn't have a full spring training. And, yeah, I know everybody should be able to bunt. But I think anybody watching the game today knows that bunting is, is, such, a, is such a lost art. And, and to just put bat on the ball and be able to push it exactly where you want to push it uh, and, and deliver a run in, in support of Walker Bueller, it was just a big play. And, and so, yeah, we were able to spit that stat out pretty fast. Joe Buck is our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Matt. I'm Bruce. We're here for you 52 weeks out of the year from 9 to 11 talking baseball, and we're fortunate to have Joe for just a couple more minutes here. Joe, uh, what are your major concerns about uh, baseball going forward and the the uh, the health of the sport? Where, where do you think there are a couple of power points in, in your mind of what they have to do to stay as viable as they've been and to uh, – kind of, uh, I, I don't know if you can call recapture the energy of the sport the way it was at one point. Yeah, I think that's a tricky equation um, because it, it requires a, a lot of people sitting down and figuring out the best way forward. And I, I think it obviously requires people on ownership and management side and people on the player side. You know, when I talk to players, forget me, I mean, I'm 51. I, I think I grew up in a 
in a really fun era of the game. I wish I would, I, you know, as, as a true baseball fan, I wish I was even older because I wish I had seen baseball in the 60s, which I, I think is, is kind of the heyday of the sport with mm-hmm. the players that, that were kind of intersecting in the 60s. Uh, and, and, you know, you could write a thesis on that. But I, I still think 80s and 90s baseball is different than the baseball we see here. What I love about the game today is the power. I, I love power pitching. Uh, I, I loved watching Walker Bueller last night, but I also love watching a pitcher get deeper into a ball game. And, and Bueller, you know, had they pushed him, uh, I, I think could have given another inning or two. But but that's you know that's the, with the lead the way it was, they didn't need to push him last night. Um, I, I think the three true outcomes is is getting. Uh, pretty heavy in the game with uh, strikeout or walk or homer. And uh, talking to people that are fresh out of the game, I think once they're in it or when they're in it, it's difficult to make the argument that the game needs some tweaking. Once they get out and they watch it as fans, I I think their attitude can sometimes change. So I I would like to see – you know, I'd like to see what the commissioner was talking about a a couple of springs ago – a pitch clock, which is which is instituted in the minor leagues. Um, I'd like to see more strikes called by umpires. Get the game, in other words, get the game moving with with a little bit more of a of a, uh, a higher pace to it. And and I, I I think that you know when they talk about overall time of game, it's not the overall time of game of getting it down from three hours and six minutes to two hours and 58 minutes. It's once, once the inning starts, how much action is actually happening, whether that's banning the shift uh, and, and making it go back to being able to put the ball in play, you know, a ground ball, finding a hole a little bit more uh, easily. I, I think that's, that's where the, the disconnect is. And, and I, everybody's aware of it. It's just, how do you, kind of legislate that stuff back into the game. So, you know, mm. Rob Manfred's aware of it. I think plenty of owners are. And I, and I think more and more players are that, that, uh, that, that doing that would make some sense. But, but I, I love, you know, last night that game was awesome. And, and I love seeing power on power. And, and last night the Dodgers' power, uh, both at the plate and on the mound, was better than Tampa Bay's. And, and it was a nice mix because there was lots of good two-strike approaches and two-out approaches from the Dodgers, which has emerged as a theme of this postseason, and, and it often does. Uh, I'll say this. In terms of also marketing the game, the way that – I don't know if that was new or just really good, but I heard the home plate umpire better than I perhaps ever had in, in my life last night. Was that – was that new at all, or is that just a guy who was willing to be a part of the action? Because I heard everything, and I was enjoying the hell out of that last night. That microphone's always been there. Uh, I think it's up to the audio guy in the truck uh, mm-hmm. being willing to kind of, you know, as we say in the business, pop that up, but, uh, you know, push the, push the little uh, button forward to make that a little louder. And yeah, I'm with you. I, I think anytime, I don't care what the sport is, anytime you can take a viewer down into it and, and kind of cross uh, that imaginary wall and get inside it and hear that at the plate is awesome. So our, car, our, our audio guy is Joe Carpenter. He's a genius. Uh, our, our audio guys have, and, and 
Our whole department has been so good this year. They've never been tested like this before with no fans. And then you get into an LCS and a World Series, at least in Arlington. We've had fans. But how do you make the game with the ambient sounds, you know, on TV sound normal in this pandemic year? And I I would put what our audio department has done up against anything we've ever done at Fox. And and that's a little small piece of it. So I'm I'm all for Joe uh, pushing that a little bit. And then we've heard conversations at second. We've heard conversations at first. I love that stuff. And I think it's one of those things where if, if the wrong thing is said, I think there's enough of a delay where they can cut it out. Uh, but until somebody complains about it in baseball, I, I think it's one of those asking for forgiveness instead of permission kind of things. Uh, Joe, uh, last thing I, I had for you. Tell us about Charlie Raymond. Who's that kid? Ninth inning shout out for Charlie Raymond, and you seemed excited to be able to get to mention his name in the midst of a World Series. Yeah, that that's a longtime friend of mine. Uh, his name's John Raymond. His wife's Leanne. Uh, they are a really special family. He's a, he's a great guy. One of the uh, he's actually one of the minority owners of the Astros. And, uh, their little boy Charlie uh, has been battling cancer, and it was one of those where we all celebrated when Charlie rang the bell that that his treatments were over and he was cancer free. And then I got a text in the middle of the game from John and and Charlie laying in a hospital bed that he had a relapse and is waiting and hoping for the right match and a bone marrow transplant and. Uh, his life is pretty much hanging in the balance on that. So I, I texted John and I said, is Charlie awake? And uh, he said, yes, unfortunately he should be sleeping, but he's watching this baseball game. So I said hi to him. So <laughs> trying to pump him up and lift his spirits. And, and it's, it's that kind of stuff that, you know, makes, makes the other stuff really irrelevant. I mean, I, you know, as a parent myself and all the parents out there that, you know, one MRI or one CAT scan or whatever changes changes the rest of your life. And, uh, you know, the work I've tried to do with Children's Hospital in St. Louis and, uh, you know, hearing that and, and seeing that picture of those two laying in a hospital bed, I just wanted to try to pump them up a little bit. Well, I'm glad you did. Great. It was nice to hear, and, uh, yeah. and, and, and thanks for sharing the story. That's for sure. Uh, Bruce, uh, Joe, who you met so many years ago, he's come a long way. He's done okay. I think, don't you? I, I think Bruce and I had this weird little Bruce and I had this weird little friendship that anytime the Cardinals were in Chicago, I don't know. He, you and I, Bruce used to always just kind of find our way to some corner of the media lunchroom or yeah. walk back up to the top of Wrigley up those ramps. And uh, I really yeah. enjoyed those times. So I miss them. And, and, yeah, they, they were great times, and it, it all started back with your dad, you know, when he when he introduced us uh, back in St. Petersburg in the early 90s, what was it, 93 or 94, when you were just yeah. uh, kind of starting out. It was it was uh, some great times, and you know what? I can honestly tell people, which is a beautiful thing, is that Joe Buck has not changed at all as a person. He was a great person then, and he's a great person. He's a celebrity not impacted him so matt and i really appreciate you joining us today taking time out on such a hugely busy time for you and uh, that just shows us what your friendship means and appreciate it well hey uh you know i i would talk baseball with 
with you guys on or off the air anytime. And uh, I, I love talking baseball with people who get it and care and watch and, and love the game. So uh, anytime. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Joe. Um, I think you have Take changed care. in some very elemental ways. I'll share those with you later, though. I've taken some notes. I have like a PowerPoint <laughs> presentation. Okay. Well, I mean, other than uh, follically, I've changed follically quite a bit. Since, uh... <laughs> it's in a good place, though, right now. Whatever you're thanks doing, again, man, Joe. just just roll with it. Okay, Thank you, Joe. Thanks. Thanks. It's, it takes. Uh, it's like the. It's getting ready for the air. Like. Uh, was it Snow White? I think it was Cinderella with the birds that were like pulling things here and there. And it, it takes it takes it takes a village to to come on air. Trust me. All right, we'll film that one time for us. Thank you. Yeah, John. it's 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 a lot of traps and, and pulleys. All right, see you guys. Bye. Thanks, man. That's Joe right. Buck. He's a he's a good dude. Um, it is six seventy the score, and he's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. We'll take a break. Come back and uh, and and let you know what we're looking for the rest of this World Series, and uh, and what we're looking for for the Cubs and Sox as free agency approaches, and what the news might be over the next week or so. It's inside the clubhouse. Keep it right here on the score. Welcome back in on six seventy the score. Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine with you on Inside the Clubhouse. And, Bruce, what do we expect to be the time frame of the White Sox managerial search? What, what do you think is uh, ten days. where we're going? Ten, mm-hmm. ten days from now, Matt. So I, I believe we're going to uh, have a new manager for the White Sox in that time. I, I'm sure that A.J. Hinch might be a part of that. Uh, I think they, they probably owe it to themselves to talk to him, but... Um, I still feel that uh, Tony La Russa has a great shot at being the White Sox manager if uh, indeed he w- feels that he can handle 200 uh, games. I mean, w- besides, you know, forget about age, just the, the rigors of a 200-game season for any manager, any man, we see how it beats people down. So, you know, the age aside, uh, the physical and mental strain of managing a baseball team it's not a great job it is really not a good job Matt because you're expected to win the World Series if you don't everybody including your boss is looking at you like you failed that year that is the world that we live in now Hmm. well not a good job but I mean if 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 you want that job as a manager then this particular job is a great one don't you think no, not anymore. Not the way that you have to handle players, that you have to deal with the media, that uh, your time is, uh, is eaten up uh, and that you're putting in uh, 10, 12-hour days. No, you have to find, you have to find some uh, level of, um, you know, like Joe Madden has, to last as long and as well as he has. Uh, you have to find a level of stepping out of that role and not getting consumed by it. That's why Joe has been good at it. That's why the guys who manage like La Russa and Leland into their late 60s um, were good because they could step away from it, not be consumed by it on a daily basis. That's the key to longevity and success as a manager if you have good enough teams and good enough ownership. Hmm. So from, from all that, uh, La Russa really has to decide if he has that ca- capacity to be mentally and physically sharp for 200 games out of the year. I think that that's a key here. And I think he'll be honest about it if he's offered the job. 
Maybe that's why some uh, close to him have speculated that they think he will pass. But uh, we'll have to see. And from the Cubs perspective, any urgency to make any of the kinds of trades that we've been discussing or think about the offseason from uh, from a, from a roster perspective? I think they've had discussions with teams as early as the season ending. And uh, I think the the prime names like uh, Bryant and Baez and Schwarber have come up. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen any movement, but uh, starting uh, the day after the World Series, when free agency begins, uh, we're going to probably see a little different uh, approach here. Again, the revenue stream for teams is going to be a huge issue, and nobody really seems to know what that's going to be going forward. Matt, we have people to thank. We certainly thank Pat Hughes, the great broadcaster that you hear on the score here 162 times a year between Cub games. Also, Joe Buck, the great broadcaster for Fox, nice enough to uh, be brought on by you, Matt. That was a great get, and we really appreciate it. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also, on our website, I write Sox and Cubs stories at 670thescore.com. Adam Stadzinski, great job as always. Thank you. Absolutely. Be following along with my Twitter feed. Going to do a little bit of a watch party tonight for the World Series. For those of us who are watching, I know there's not everyone is, but but I will be there. And uh, also tomorrow, or excuse me, Monday and Tuesday, I'll be in with Danny Parkins. Me, Layla Rahimi, and Danny Parkins all together on Monday and Tuesday. Rosenblum and Grody are next. Bruce, a pleasure. Look forward to next week and beyond here on Inside the Clubhouse. Take We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.